0: The funny thing is, is my my kind of movie is just a really great, <laughs> well written, incredible not a lot of action dialogue. Not a lot. Like <laughs> yeah, like action movies. I'm normally like. <sighs>
1: <laughs> Hi, I'm Tim. Welcome to We're Only Human. This is a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit by exploring journeys of people from all walks of life. There are often little nuggets of wisdom we can find in another person's story that we can then apply to our own lives. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today I'm joined by Hannah Betts. She's a daughter, a wife, an aunt, a competitive professional skydiver, as well as a stunt performer, a Hollywood stunt performer. Numerous awards for competitive skydiving, and when I was looking at your list of the movies you've performed stunts in, I mean, Captain Marvel, Hunger Games, Jurassic World, Call of the Wild, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, and numerous TV shows and commercials. <laughs> yeah, what, what a fun... I, I will ask this, though. I'm looking at the <laughs> list of things you've done stunts in. Yeah, And you did a stunt, I guess, in Fuller House, the Netflix reboot of Full House. I was was curious what kind of stunts are happening on that show. (laughs) Uh,
0: I I had to think about that. I was like, no, that wasn't me. I was like, oh, no, I did do an episode on that. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. It's it's funny because stunts happen um, in a lot of shows you wouldn't really think about, especially kind of random low-key comedies like that. If anyone's ever falling over, guarantee it's not the actor or actress it's quite often a stunt double or a stunt person okay. um, so that particular time I, I actually wasn't on camera I was there to set up a stunt for one of the actresses to make sure it's safe so quite often we're the uh, quote-unquote guinea pigs um, <laughs> we figure out how to do something safely and then train the actress and it was it was so random I had to wear this giant um, dress on a catwalk I think it was like a a wedding convention or something and I had to fall over on a catwalk. So it was very strange.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. I was going to say, is that not to suggest that any of it's ever boring, but is that more on the like less thrilling side for you when someone calls you and says, can you just fall over? Oh yeah. "Yeah, That's kind of like
0: the bread and butter. We, we end up falling over a lot. And the funny thing is, is sometimes it's the small things like that, just falling over on concrete that even though it seems very low-key are the ones that hurt the most. (laughs) Oh, I would imagine. Um, But, um, yeah, our job goes from kind of um, zero to ten pretty quickly. So some days it can be literally sitting around for eight hours waiting to get to your stunt, and then suddenly it's go, go, go. Sometimes you turn up and do absolutely nothing because everything's changed. Sometimes you turn up and you don't have a moment to sip a cup of coffee before you're on stage. So, it just—you never really know what you're going to be handed, especially on TV because TV moves very fast. Um, on movies, there's a lot more prep involved, but yet you definitely kind of going on a day-to-day basis to find out what's happening.
1: Is that part of the appeal for you? The that that idea of like it's always different, like you're never having the same day or the same afternoon.
0: Yeah, very much so. Um, I, I really like the challenge of. Even though we've trained for lots of things, you're obviously never asked to do the exact same thing twice because everything's different. Every wardrobe's different. Every set's different. Every actress is different. So it is fun kind of just turning up and being told roughly what you've got to do and then put your own spin on things and hope they don't hate it. And if they do, they'll tell you and then you'll do it again.
1: (laughs) Sure. I mean, fall, falling over on Fuller House is one thing I saw. I mean, you have a bunch of pictures on your Facebook of the various works you've been a part of. And I saw, I forgot what movie it was, but uh, something where you were um, tied to the back of a pickup truck underwater. And then I think it mm. was it called the Wild where it looked like you were, I haven't seen the movie yet, but you were in like frozen or appeared to be like Arctic waters.
0: Yeah. Well, I've, I do a lot of um, water work. Uh, I got uh put in a a flooded Prius car once blindfolded, submerged in a lake and apparently I did a pretty good job and ever since then I got known as put put Hannah in the
1: uh, the oh drowning girl. <laughs> you were blindfolded <laughs> but, in a pre how do you even Yeah like, how, how do you train do you train for that or is it more like I don't even like you know no, what I'm saying it's like
0: just, it's, a, it's a temperament and that's where sorry I'm gonna segue majorly from your uh, original question, but I think skydiving, competitive skydiving, without a doubt, helped me because you just got to. So much of it is just about um, staying calm and being chill and uh, and thinking on your feet and not panicking about stuff. So that particular stunt, I didn't even know that I was going to do that that night either. I had no idea. um oh, I feel gosh! You're suspending you above a lake at night in a Prius, and you're going to drop in. It's going to flood. You can have a regulator strapped to your leg. And then when the water gets above your head, you know, then you can put the regulator in and then we'll pull you out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> luckily, I had a. Luckily, I am good in water. And um, it was just. That was one of those times where you just, you know, you just have to take a breath and chill and do whatever you need to do. Sing nursery rhymes in your head. <laughs> Keep yourself you, you calm. You said that
1: competitive skydiving prepares you for that, for being yeah. calm. I never thought of that that way. So when you are jumping out of a plane and then and then competitive skydiving is like formations and stuff right but so
0: yeah i mean there's lots of different disciplines there's some stuff that's more kind of artistic like a gymnastics routine um but the stuff that i specialized in is is um making formations or different shapes with with three other women so it's a team of four of us um repetitively as as fast as we can but it's it's a strange one the uh, the moves are drawn randomly so you might not have necessarily performed that routine ever before. You know the moves, but you've never linked them together. So 80% of it is quite a big mental game. Um, And our coach really focused on that hugely. We weren't necessarily um, the best four individual flyers in the world, but as a team, because we were so mentally prepared, we think that's what gave us the edge. And that, without a doubt, has helped me go into stunts for sure. (laughs)
1: it's so interesting you 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 suggest there that that calmness and ability to just take a breath comes from the skydiving but when i think about i've never skydived Mm -hmm. but just the idea of jumping out of a plane and then of course if you're working with three other women and you have probably a lot of you have a lot to think about in terms Mm -hmm. of like staying in sync yeah Just, just all of that seems like physically your body would be Sort of anything but calm in that mm-hmm. moment, where you is that what it is? You're, you're mentally trying to fight, or like you, you, uh, kn- you nailed that? it
0: actually. You really nailed it. It's almost like separating for me personally, anyway, um, kind of separating the, the body and the mind. Okay, so um, I always struggled with nerves in competition, I always got incredibly nervous. Um, some of my teammates just managed to be very zen and, and not get nervous and just do it. And no matter what technique I tried, I, I always got the physical nerves, nervous feeling and the amped up adrenaline feeling. So what I just kind of learned to do was, my my brain would almost talk to my body and go okay okay you do what you want to do you have the you have the high heart rate and the tingling feeling I'm just gonna slow down up here in my brain and so I try and I literally talk to my body like it's a separate entity like you do you and I'm just gonna be chill and, and calm oh, and slow okay. up here, yeah um so you're right everything you know stunts and the skydiving side is very um really physical but it's amazing what you're your brain's in charge at the end of the day. So I just try and breathe, and everything kind of slows down in my head, and my body does the physical stuff. <laughs>
1: that's amazing. Yeah, this, that doesn't seem like an easy thing to do. I mean, that's a pretty, you got to really have the strength to be able to separate those two. I feel like, I feel like for me, that would be hard.
0: Yeah. You know, you know how what actually helped me was it was more stressful for me competing, um, trying to get rid of the nerves like trying to get rid of that physical sensation, like, oh, God, I'm supposed to be calm, but I feel nervous. Oh. So I, I changed my attitude to go, okay, well, we know what's going to happen. You're going to get to about 10,000 feet. You're going to do your team handshake, and your heart rate's suddenly going to spike, and and that's okay, and you're going to feel a little kind of that tingly feeling, and, and that's okay. We know that's going to happen. So when I kind of accepted it, it, it almost made my head less fuzzy. It's like I know that's going to happen, but I, I can still – take a deep breath and say to myself, you got this, and, and that's okay. So when I just kind of um, kind of rolled with I, I know what my body physical sensation is going to do, then it was easier for me to just get on with the important stuff, which was communicating with my teammates and remembering the dive. I don't, I'm not sure if that makes sense. but
1: No, it does make sense. <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that makes perfect sense. And like I said, it seems like it'd be a hard thing to do, but I guess once you've overcome that, it probably really freed yeah. yourself
0: because it was almost like having the nerves made me even more nervous yeah. it was like oh god I'm feeling it oh no and then that would make me panicky so when I was just decided to say well you know you're going to feel it that's normal it happens every time that's fine so the same thing happens with stunts now when they go okay rolling here we go like uh, my heart rate goes through the roof every single time but I, it, I kind of find it funny now I'm like oh there it is <laughs>
1: That's fantastic, though, to have that kind of like self-awareness and control. That's got to be very empowering, really.
0: It it is once I once I figured it out, for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, But again, that just kind of comes with it with experience. And yeah, I just had to learn not to let the spike in heart rate and the adrenaline panic me almost. It was like, no, this is good. Your body's your body's ready to do something and your brain is going to slow it all down.
1: Sure. Yeah. So you've been, the <laughs> skydiving in general, has it been about 17 years now? I think I read you started in 2003.
0: And When you said that, I was like, that can't be right.
1: I know, right? <laughs> time flies.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Can you remember a time when you weren't skydiving?
0: <laughs> no, I mean, I've really, I haven't, um, I really haven't jumped much in the last couple of years because I've been, you know, Working full time in stunts as opposed to working full time in skydiving. Um, so over the last five years, it's definitely tapered off. You know, I used to do like a thousand jumps a year or something silly like that, and now it's more very occasional fun jumping with friends or stunt work, skydiving. Um, but yeah, no, I started. In, I started in two thousand. It ends in two thousand and three.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah, when you're when you're doing a skydiving stunt, is that? I mean, it's almost like combining both of these thrills. Is that is that more fun or is that more challenging because it's like Um, a different kind of competitive skydiving? I I
0: guess Normally, when it's a skydiving stunt, then you have the you have the combination of being feeling really warm and fuzzy. You know, the whole full circle where I'm doing you know the thing that initially got me into stunts and my initial passion. Here I am performing it, but normally, if it's a skydiving stunt, then the um, the, the risk and the the kind of uh, difficulty is is pretty up there when it comes to skydiving stunts. So, um, it's uh, it's more intense than your your average stunt because you can't just say, "Oh, stop, change my mind, let's reset." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but but once it's over and everybody's safe on the ground, then yeah so it's a, it's a really wonderful feeling but when when you're in it it's just you're just kind of focused on on the job at the time, so everyone oh. can go home safely
1: but of it course. is it is
0: really wonderful to be able to perform stunts doing skydiving for sure
1: oh that's fun, yeah, so stunts i mean primarily now skydiving, but you i found this fascinating too before you were a skydiver, you were a police officer, which <laughs>
0: That's such is, a random life. I've had so many like. <laughs> oh, random
1: life. Sure, <laughs> really, but I, I like to think of it as like well-rounded, like multiple yeah, no, experiences.
0: It is, it is funny. I feel like I've had lots of um, lots of um, mini careers, and and each one always seems to set me up for the next. Which is which is the impression great. I
1: got. This seems like a yeah. progression that makes sense when you look back at it.
0: Yeah, which is which is really interesting. Um, it, and it's funny how the former jobs like being a police officer and prior to that I was an outdoor instructor that worked with kind of kids at risk inner city kids kind of that were um about to go down the wrong path kind of thing and a lot of okay. stuff comes back in to play now within my work which is really nice but yes to answer your question I was a full-time <laughs> police officer for five years in the UK um and uh I took a Career break when I had the opportunity to train full time on the British skydiving team, and you can take a career break up to five years. Um, and I remember them calling me asking me if I was coming back, and I'd forgotten that I'd
1: <laughs> even taken a career break.
0: I was like, "Oh no!" You're
1: like, "Oh, oh, that's right. Oh, oh no. sorry."
0: I was, I was a police officer. <laughs> no, I'm not coming back. <laughs>
1: so when you were the um, this is the time you were a police officer and that's kind of when you got into competitive skydiving yeah so this is when you started training and from what I understand training seems to be pretty intense
0: yeah it's it's very intense um if you're holding down a a full-time job then it's you know training on the weekends and quite often if you if you can traveling normally to warmer climates where you know you've got the guarantee of the the weather so you can get as many jumps in as possible um the UK has a phenomenal skydiving scene um but we're you know we're beholden to the weather patterns and Summer's great, but even then it's not that reliable. So quite often it, um, training with a team, if you're serious, it means a lot of uh, financial sacrifice and a lot of time um, sacrifice as well. Um, and then if, you, if you're if you lucky enough to be able to train full time, you get some level of sponsorship, which is always not as glamorous as it sounds in the skydiving world because it's um, – it's, It's not obviously a sport where there's a lot of money in it at all. But if you are lucky enough to be able to train full time, then you're doing about a thousand jumps a year on professional teams together, which is a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean, what is that like two jumps a day?
0: (laughs) No, I mean, we, the way we would do it. average. Yeah, for sure. You do somewhere between 10 and 20 skydives together in a day. Wow. Yeah.
1: My gosh. (laughs)
0: Yeah, pretty physically and mentally demanding.
1: Yeah, seriously. Yeah.
0: yeah, and it's not just you. It's, you know, you're part of a team. And, um, yeah, you, you learn a lot about yourself, for sure, when you're working with three other people in such close quarters all the time.
1: Oh, yeah? <laughs> what did you learn about yourself during that time?
0: I mean, we one, we, we were lucky to have – it's, it's hard to find four people with the same, the same goal and the same drive. Like all, all, it, we were lucky in the sense that there was four women that were prepared to give up everything and do anything to go to the World Championships and win. Because if you don't have that, you're going to come across any obstacle and you're just going to stop straight away. Um, like our coach said, like success is just getting over one obstacle after another. The obstacles are always going to be there. It's just whether you decide to try and charge through them or not. Um, It's always going to be tricky, but yeah, it's, it's never going to be smooth. It's not just about hard work. It's just about figuring out, Oh, this is tricky. This, this came up. Oh no. Or someone got hurt or we can't train now. Like that's inevitable. But, um, um, for me, really learning to take on my my own mistakes. Um, I was always very scared of, of failure and admitting when I'd done something wrong. And so that's quite hard um, on a team when you have to talk about why certain moves didn't work. And so getting over myself and realizing none of us are perfect and we're all going to make mistakes and and everybody's in this together. Um, and for me, definitely just uh, learning to shut up and listen. <laughs> I was I was I was really bad at that sometimes. I'm um, still working on it as well, but definitely just learning when to stop and hear what your teammates are saying and not and not be the yeah but yeah but yeah but.
1: Yeah. It's hard I think to I I don't know. I feel like we're not always naturally good listeners. Like that's a skill we always have to kind of hone in on. So I, I know what you mean.
0: For sure. Not not waiting to sh- To say what you need to say just because they've stopped talking, right? Actually, hearing the words coming out of their mouth before you've decided what you're going to say. You know how some people have sentences preloaded in their heads and you're like, they're not even.
1: Yeah, like you've already decided what the reply is
0: going to be. Yeah. I was that person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I really do think we all were at one point. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just a question of when we've realized it. (laughs) True. So you you're you're training competitively. Um, you just mentioned that one of the things you know the four of you were so determined. You were going to overcome any obstacles. You were all in. I mean, very able to persevere. You personally, I, I see this shining through. I was reading that when you were competing here, you were actually living on the drop zone, like just trying to keep you know cost to a minimum. And um, you know, and uh, what do you call it? Like a porta cabin, but no bathroom or anything. I mean, like yeah. I'm just I'm seeing here like <laughs> this this power of or not power this willpower of like I'm all in. I'm going to do this. Nothing's going to stand in my way. You can't stop me. I got this. Right. And It just it makes me smile. Honestly,
0: yeah, it's it's really funny looking back on it because. It was almost, in some ways, it was quite a simple time in my life because I I remember that a lot of sacrifices were being made, but they also didn't seem like sacrifices at the time because it was just like, well, duh, yeah, this of course has to happen.
1: This is what I got to do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, It could be that I've I've blanked out a lot of the painful memories. (laughs) I don't know. But when, I mean, certainly when um, I transferred uh, police forces so I could be closer to the skydiving center and then I moved onto the drop zone living in, which is basically a trailer without a bathroom um, on the drop zone. So I could spend what my rent money would be on skydiving training because police officer wages are not a lot. Um, sure. And skydiving is, is not cheap. So I did that for a few years, which was great. And then um, we, the, the, the team that I was on that was going to the world championships, we were really lucky to get some funding for the first year. Um, And we all uh, also realized that if we didn't quit our jobs and train full time, there's just no way we were going to win the British Nationals to be able to earn that slot to go to the world championships, because we were up against the current world champion team, which happened to be the British skydiving team, we were just this crazy underdog team that everyone was wow. like, oh, that's cute. They're trying to do that. And, and we knew we had the potential, but we did not have the experience. And so like four women all mid-careers, like in their thirties were like, yeah, well, let's just quit our jobs. Okay.
1: <laughs> we're going to quit our jobs and win the championship. It's as simple um, as that.
0: <laughs> and then the, the funding on the second year went down to basically almost nothing. And so when we were training out in um, California, at Skydive Paris, we would do things like uh, sublet <laughs> rent out the, the house that we were all staying in um, to like military training groups that so would would come in and we would then sleep in the um, in the hangars
1: <laughs> in the <laughs> airport hangars
0: <laughs> so we would have money to train
1: <laughs> I just, I it love... felt more
0: like an adventure than anything else. Now I'm yeah. like, what on
1: earth <laughs> what are we doing? Well, like you said, you know, for a few years you were living in the trailer without the bathroom. I mean, when you think when you think about that, like very simple. Th- I noticed this the very simple things in life. Like, uh, you get up in the middle of the night, you have to go pee, right? I yeah, mean, like, I have to go outside that, and go to yeah. the
0: bathroom, so they're like in the pitch black, freezing cold, I'm thinking. And, and if it's yeah. cold
1: outside, like that's a big deal. Like that's a a quality of life thing that I you know it would be hard. Like you said, it's a sacrifice you yeah. made. But to me that but just you again know what shows the
0: crazy thing is as I look back and I don't remember thinking at the time, God, this is hard. I just remember thinking, Yeah, I I'm skydiving, this is great.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well it it also sounds like a little bit of you had the mentality of this is an obstacle, this is what I have to do to overcome it. And Yeah. It's that simple. Like, what yeah. else would I do? That's
0: yeah. And I think in my head as well, you, this is something that has always got me through as well. It's it's just temporary. This isn't it, you know. Just when things are
1: oh, particularly okay. bad
0: or are hard, so it's just temporary. It's not forever. So you kind I of thought, well, that. yeah, I'm
1: I'm not yeah. going to be in this trailer forever. It's just a stepping yeah. stone toward this next. That's a great way to think about yeah. it. I like the- that.
0: Yeah, at the time, I just remember thinking, "Oh, this is cool! I don't have to pay rent, and I get to skydive. How lucky am I?" Honestly, it felt
1: lucky—living the dream. I mean, yeah. that's what you wanted. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great way to look at it. So, you mentioned you were—you were then training in LA. I'm—I'm I'm curious, how did you end up connecting with Hollywood? And you yeah. know, was it you were in the area? Because I—I think about. World. Yeah, the crazy world, but it's also a world built on trust. I mean, Absolutely. your next job is only as good as your mm-hmm. last job and Completely. and who you know and who you've built relationships with. So I mean, you know, some might look at your, I don't know what you call it, the real your resume, yeah. you know, now and like, well, yeah, right. she's in all these action movies and everything, but
0: but you have nothing when you Yeah, saw. but you yeah. when you
1: started, you weren't doing exactly. Captain Marvel. So I'm curious like where, how did we end up getting into that arena?
0: It's um, kind of in a, a similar vein where if you speak to most full-time stunt performers, um, nearly everybody comes from a speciality background um, where they've excelled at something, be it gymnastics or martial arts or, you know, horses or in my weird way, um, skydiving. Um, normally you've kind of proven that you got to the top of your game in something quite often you're hired to do a speciality stunt because of the skill that you have, um, which is what happened to me. Um, I got a call from... Um, Uh, a guy called Craig O'Brien who's an incredible skydive videographer who had been called by the stunt coordinator for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on season one just as it was starting you know they didn't even know if this thing was going to take off or not Um, it's a small Marvel TV show and uh, they just needed a stunt double for one of the main characters there but it was um, like a free-fall sequence and the stunt coordinator even though there wasn't actually any skydiving involved the he really wanted a skydiver that could rep like understand the mechanics sure. of what the body position would be, blah, blah, blah. Um I'm also lucky as well. I, I, I am lucky that I have a background in um gymnastics as well. I did a lot of gymnastics as a kid and swimming and lifeguarding. So I kinda had some decent kind of all roundish skills that definitely helped in the stunt world. But um I was brought on to to do that for that particular scene and I get I made a pretty good double for this girl and the stunt coordinator I was just so lucky, I guess, saw something because normally it's like, okay, thanks, bye. You know, she's not experienced, but he yeah. actually said, hey, like at the end of the day, he literally was like, what else can you do? What's your background? And I kind of <laughs> told him, I was like, oh, I don't know, like I grew up doing gymnastics and dance, and you know, scuba diving and lifeguard, and and he was just like, is this something you want to do? I was like, yeah, and he was like, well. I got more work for you on Tuesday. Come back on Tuesday. You better start training and I'll, I'll hire you till you fuck up. <laughs> um, and and don't get me wrong. Wasn't like, Oh, perfect. My foot's in the door. Yay. Yeah, now I'm working. Yeah. I mean, the the jobs on agents of shield were very few and far between, but it was a fantastic building block and um, the stunt coordinator Gill really kind of took me under my wing and it, I was just very lucky that the nature of the stunts built up to a higher degree each time, whenever I was on that show. And in the meantime, I started doing, um, driving into Los Angeles to train at different places, which I would live like between an hour and a half and three hour journey away. Um, I spent my, like a long time on the freeway, just going to try and meet people, train where other stunt people trained, going to meet other stunt coordinators and, and I and I hated every minute of it because I'm a small country girl from the UK. Like, grew up in a tiny village. Um, Hollywood was just the most. And LA was just the most intimidating place for me ever. So the whole, I was like, I just want to do stunts. I don't want to go and meet people.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't want the or rest network
0: of it. or do all that bullshit. I just I loathed it, and that was the thing that I found. The hardest and i didn't i didn't live in la because i was still working full-time in skydiving i needed to be close to the drop zone so i just had to drive a lot <laughs> all the time yeah
1: how do you battle um, that though i mean because i i understand not enjoying I, i'm similar you know the whole i don't know what you call it but like you said that whole side of it where it's all you know smoozing and networking and mm. all that and but but to some extent like i said earlier you you kind of it's like a necessary evil for that industry where you have to you know people are going to call people they know that perform well and do good work yeah. and are reliable how do you battle that then how do you balance that of like well i know i'm good at what i do but how do right. i you know ensure people know that
0: i it was interesting i i f- I first, one of the reasons I hated it the, the most initial is because I'm sure you'd be surprised to hear that in Hollywood, there's a lot of inauthentic
1: people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just Big a few shock. here and there. <laughs>
0: um, but there's also a bunch of really rad, down-to-earth, hardworking people, especially in the stunt um, industry. Um, when I first started, I, I felt incredibly awkward in a lot of training or social situations because that I realized that I have quite a high inauthenticity bullshit detector and when I'm around people like that I get incredibly uncomfortable but for the first year or so when going to meet other stunt coordinators or go training I was kind of behaving in a way I thought I was supposed to based upon a lot of other people's behaviors and like hi nice to meet you saying all the right things and and it was horrible and I didn't feel connected to anything or anyone and then when I was just like can I swear on this or not? Sorry. I keep swearing.
1: Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Authentic, right? (laughs) Gotta be authentic. In
0: my head, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to be me. Cause this is doing my head in whatever I'm supposed to be or not be. I can't handle it anymore. So I just stripped everything away. And when I went to meet people, I was just then me. And whether that means being slightly sarcastic or jokey or chill or not, or just less, you know, I'm, I, Anyway, something shifted and I found the right kind of group of people, you know, when you just kind of shed the layer of inauthenticity. And then I found that people connected a lot better to me as well. And I stood out more because I was just being myself and wasn't trying to be this perfect little preppy yeah. stunt girl, you know. Um, so that's how I got through it. But the the first year or so was just, ugh, I hated it. Um so, and when you're starting as well, there's just so much comparison and so much competitiveness. And I um. I love being in environments where other people are helping you and trying to thrive, especially like other women trying to help you thrive. And if you're around the wrong group of people, it can be a little bit crushing at the beginning. But once I kind of shed all of that side of things, everything became much easier.
1: That's so, great. Yeah, I mean, I imagine you feel much experience. more... Yeah, I imagine you feel much more comfortable now in your oh. own skin and what you're doing and you feel probably more at home than you did you know, prior to that year.
0: Yeah, completely. I mean, it was a good few years and then you still battle with it every now and then when you don't get hired for a job that you think maybe you should have done and someone else got hired. And you can drive yourself crazy asking yourself why those things were. And sometimes it can just be It's because you're right-handed and not left-handed. But in your brain, you're going like, oh, my God, I said something wrong or they hate me or I'm too fat or I'm too thin or I did something or I'm not good enough or, you know, and you just have to learn to let all that stuff go. And you can only just put your energy into what you're doing. That's the only thing that you can control. Um, So it's been a, a huge life lesson for someone that's a complete control freak and wants to know the reason for everything, it's been really good for me to be able to just go, well, you just got to do you. And as long as you're on the right side of your moral compass, then life's good.
1: <laughs> do, you, do you consider yourself someone who desires control? I mean, you know, control freak-esque? Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I, I'd, I'd be lying. I would be absolutely lying if I said, no, I'm super chill about stuff. I am definitely a bit of a control freak, but I'm every year more aware of it and trying to figure out which bits I can let go and which bits work for me. You know, know, I'm a pretty driven person and that's got me places. So I'm not going to let it all go, but I can definitely loosen up on (laughs) it. I would agree that
1: you're a pretty driven person, (laughs) (laughs) which is a great thing in my eyes. Right. But that's got to be, I mean, I think desiring control is hard anytime, Mm. but especially, I mean, in the work you do, where like you said, I mean, there can be instances where it's out of your control for very seemingly trivial reasons, just because of the nature of the production you're working on or the story that's trying to be told.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Hugely. Or then when, you know, you've, you've got a stunt dialed in and you know exactly how to do it and you know it better than anybody else. You know, your body, you know how something's going to work. And then suddenly an AD will come in and be like, oh, we don't need this prop here. We're going to move it two feet to the left. And you, you just want to be like,
1: nah. yeah, <laughs> oh, no. and,
0: like there's so many different variables going on. Constantly, you know, you are trying to listen to a briefing that the stunt coordinator giving you, while the hair and makeup are trying to pull you away to fix something completely trivial and not important. Um, and you just have to. So you have to learn to breathe and speak politely to people, and prioritize, and realize that you know what? There is some stuff I am just going to have to figure this out because it's I am not in charge right now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's that's a tough thing to acknowledge. I think yeah. for all of us, even people who are more comfortable with control because right. no matter whether you're comfortable or not with control, at the end of the day, there are many things you just cannot control Mm-mm. and that's nothing you can do about it.
0: No, you spend all your energy trying to control something that you're never going to get grips with and you're just like, great, you spent all that time and energy on something that you were never going to get on top of and you yeah. could have spent all that time and energy on something so much more positive, so...
1: What is it about the, the stunts that is it the that you enjoy like is it the thrill is it we talked a little bit earlier about like kind of there's always something new and different which right. I'm sure is a great feeling yeah but like do you I mean just get a thrill out of you know being be underwater and jumping off you know and all this stuff like is it yeah. just kind of exhilarating
0: I do it's um it's a whole combination of why I like it I I, I definitely do enjoy. Um, the challenge of doing something that that is scary, but knowing that you 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 can do it—it's just it, you know—it's all risk assessed. It's not like crazy Yahoo stuff. We train and we figure it out, and it's calculated. And sure. I, I like the mental aspect of of doing those challenges, and it it's a cool thing to do. I mean, when else are you? I mean, the job is ridiculous because sometimes I'm just sit there, you know in a harness in a ridiculous competition in a ridiculous wardrobe or costume and flying through the air going, who does this as a grown-up?" Like how is <laughs> this my job? Um, so certain things like that, you get to do things and go to places that you're really, really lucky and blessed to do. You're getting paid for it. And, um, I, I really enjoy the teamwork and the kind of camaraderie of it as well, particularly in stunts. um, m- most stunt performers are pretty just down to earth, very hard working people and you get to hang, when, when it's a good crew of people, you're just getting, it feels like you're just getting to hang out and play with your friends all day um, which I think is just ridiculous as a job and don't get me wrong there are some days when it's, it hurts you're cold, your feet hurt, you're just looking at the time where you don't want to do the stunt or you're, you're you know, you're miserable but True. Sure. Everything else, without a doubt, outweighs you know those those painful or yucky or boring parts. You know, right now I, ca- I can't wait to go back to work, which isn't. In- I never thought I'd be able to say something like that. Like I miss going to to my work,
1: which is yeah cool. yeah. I <laughs> it's funny you say you can't imagine you ever thinking that, and I I feel like of course. I mean, it's something that you get such a positive you know thrill out of i mean yeah. you know i i i appreciate too now i never thought about i mean i would imagine so much of the work you do and the the folks you work with are just physically capable and fit and like you know more athletic people mm-hmm. physically yeah. but there's this whole mental side to it too so i mean you are not only exercising yourself physically but also mentally i mean you must come Definitely. home at the end of these shoots just completely drained all around
0: yeah without a doubt sometimes it's long hours or it's nights and and you've just done something epic <laughs> so you have like a surge of adrenaline yeah. And, um yeah for sure or well, there's a big build up to it and um yeah so there's a lot there's a lot of moving pieces going on but um stunts are the kind of team that just rallies to get stuff done it's, it's pretty cool because so there's, so, there's so many aspects of it that people don't think like the rigging team itself you know quite often we're on wires or flying or there's moving parts and all these incredible genius minds are setting up all these systems that you're going to be on they're putting your life in, you know um in their hands yeah. and so the, the trust element is absolutely huge and it's really wonderful to work with people that are so methodical for the most part. There's always some cowboys out there, but for the most part these people are just incredibly professional and their expertise is amazing. So it's always, it's always kind of a joy to be around those people that have honed in this craft and always very humble and under the radar about it. That's what I really like about the majority of stunt people are, are pretty low key about it.
1: Well, yeah, I feel like that, the whole, that side of movies and television and production is such a background thing, you know, like, I mean, I mean, by its very nature, you're doubling for people. Right. And of course, you yeah, probably time, don't see your face. Cause, your face.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: I mean, like you just said, all the people that support you, I mean, you're supporting the actor in doubling for them. And now there's a whole crew behind you making sure yeah. you're safe and Absolutely. everything's planned. I mean, that's like... There's a whole slew of heroes here that we never hear about.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, when people see like my explosion stunt, they're like, oh, my God, it's epic. You look like a superhero. But I'm like, well, actually, what's happening right there is the special effects people created this incredible explosion that are tailored just to the right amount you know, where it was gonna yeah. get really hot for me, but wasn't going to completely fry me. The reading team had been there three hours before me setting up this whole system. The stunt coordinator had insisted on me doing another rehearsal because he wasn't quite happy with something. And he was worried about the speed, you know, that I was going to hit the wall. And then there's just so much going on. You know, my fire safety person is turned up an hour before me prepping all my gear um, and then it's with me, dressing me, keeping me calm, making sure my whole face is covered. You know, it's not me just rocking up, putting on a wire and going, woohoo, look at me, I'm so badass. You know, it's just such a slew of people around that making it look like that, that just no one ever thinks about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then it's for, uh, you know, a shot that lasts maybe a couple of seconds. Two or
0: seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that, that will never it's still when I turn up to a set and the amount of people that are doing things and the amount of work that's going on for sometimes a scene that doesn't even make it, (laughs) not even just two (laughs) seconds. It's like, Oh, some, some reason it gets cut. It's just (laughs) so much work for such a short period of time on TV, but that's how the magic happens, I guess.
1: Yeah. I love movies and I love all the work that goes into it. And that, what you just said is what is, I'm trying to put my finger on why I love that so much. I think it's just a fascination with, it's really the only area I can think of in life where we are, I mean, like you said, we spend so much time, money, energy, and the amount of people involved Mm -hmm. to make, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be an hour and a half to two hours, you know, for a movie. Yeah. And like, I mean... Yeah, I remember this is really, I have very little background in this, but about uh, the Dark Knight, Batman, the mm-hmm. Dark Knight. When it filmed, yeah. I'm here in Chicago. When it filmed in Chicago, I was an additional PA on there. So they were doing the car awesome. chase scene. Yeah, they were doing car yeah. chase scene all summer. They hired a bunch of bodies to help block off streets. And I remember the very first day, I knew nothing, walking in the old post office in Chicago, day one, and they're like, yeah, we're going to film this car chase scene. And I think to myself, oh, well, you just, you just film it like in a day and then right. that's going to be a short thing. And I didn't realize we were there for three months and you do every little piece, you know, a million. I mean, you know, obviously they don't film the yeah. scene. Yeah. It was like, and that's when it hit me. I was like, Oh my goodness.
0: It's insane. Sometimes I just look around and go, I don't even know how a, a completed product comes to fruition sometimes. Cause it was just So much stuff going on. You're just like, how does this turn into a movie at the end? The the details and the shots, people just don't understand that that one shot that they think they just saw with their eyes in five seconds actually involved five different cameras in about a week's worth of prep to be able to get your eyes to see what you just saw. Yeah.
1: Fascinating. (laughs) You watch the credits and I mean, there's a reason the credits are seven minutes long because I mean, the hundreds of people involved.
0: Yeah. It's nuts. It's, it is, it's, it's a, it's a crazy business.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The, you mentioned, so one of the things you learned from, from the stunts and getting in that was this, the control part of kind of Mm -hmm. understanding that you don't always control and letting things go. Was there anything else that kind of getting into the stunt performing more and more that you kind of learned about yourself that you hadn't realized prior?
0: Um. Yeah, definitely more of the learn learn when to shut the fuck up to say yes sir no sir even oh, yep. even if you know better like if you're not in charge definitely the no problem absolutely the um taking uh taking criticism that not isn't necessarily criticism it's just notes um quite often they'll have you do something. And they don't really know what they, um, what they want until they see something. Sure. you just do something for them, and then they'll come up and go, okay, but I don't want you to do this. I want you to do that and do this. And in my head, I'm like, oh, you just set me up for failure. Why didn't you tell me that in the first place? And I, I would have done that. You know, I'm not saying that in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, oh, God, I failed. I didn't do it right the first time. And it's taken me a long time to realize No, nobody knew what they wanted. They're not saying you did a bad job. They're like, oh, we've seen that. Actually, now we understand what we need to do or – you know, quite often people are thinking 10 steps ahead and they haven't told you the thing that's in their head. They think they Uh, have. Yeah. And um, I used to really struggle with kind of, being critiqued when I thought it was completely unjust, especially like being set up for failure, I haven't been given all the information to do a good job. And I've learned that that's just the way they do things here. They don't know what they don't know, or they don't know what they want a lot of the time. So when they're coming up and giving you notes over and over, sometimes it's a failure on your part, which is fine, but quite often it's they're just figuring it out too. So for me, it was learning to take so-called criticism or or notes and just be like yeah no problem i can do that rather than berating myself oh you didn't do it perfectly the first time so things like that were really good or for me to just swallow and let things go when i know i wasn't told a certain thing and i was told i was normally that would drive me like insane Mm -hmm. but now i'm like yeah all right what you can do because they're not thinking about it. They've forgotten it five minutes ago. I would—I used to lie in bed thinking about that whole scenario, you know, all yeah. night. Like, oh, oh yeah. God. And you're like, it, the more you're in the industry, you realize he doesn't even remember saying that to you two minutes ago <laughs> and you're now obsessing about it. So, yeah, just learning to just, just chill and, and get on with it and do what people need. And if you think something's not quite right, if it's a safety thing, absolutely, always speak up. But if there's something... In a conversation that you don't need to be involved in, even though you swear blind, you've got the answer. Just you you don't give it until you're asked for it. It's definitely that kind of chain of command. I always want to fix things straight away. And I've learned just to be like, yes, ma'am, no ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir. Um, so that that's good. But the more people get to know you and understand you, the more that you're kind of integrated more as part of the team and your opinion matters. But at the beginning when you work for someone new, you just – be quiet. Do your job. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, and like we said, there's such a large machine at work. There, a large team at work. That
0: exactly.
1: While you are doing enormously important work, and you know, there's also how many other people doing little pieces exactly. of what's going to add up to something bigger.
0: Yeah. No, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> it, it, it's it's really interesting. Um, what's really fascinating is watching slowly because it's a massively male-dominated industry um, and uh, and it's fun to watch the difference in styles when there's a lot of men in charge versus a lot of women in charge and um, I'm telling you if there were more women uh, in higher positions the budgets would be slashed in half things just get done so much quicker oh
1: really <laughs> yeah. it's a little more overhead with men at the helm it's
0: just it's it's I just I observe with curiosity. It's just it's interesting communication styles, I think, are, are a lot better between women. So everybody's a lot more clear about what's going on. Whereas, I often watch two men have the same conversation and they think they're both saying the same thing and they're not. <laughs> and you're like, oh, in, two, in two hours, this is going to be a really big problem. <laughs> and oh, no geez. one is. But yeah. So, yeah. It's just yeah. an observation.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. I- I mean, not in the industry, but I can very well imagine that being because mm-hmm. it's definitely the case in other industries. So, yeah. Speaking of, of men in the industry, uh, mm-hmm. your husband, uh, you met in, he's in the skydiving. He's a skydiver?
0: He's a stuntman. He, it's really funny. We have very similar paths. Yes, he's a skydiver. He's a professional skydiver and um a world champion in different discipline than I competed in and full-time skydiver. Um, did a lot of similar work that I did um but and we both kind of transitioned to stunt work almost at the same time oh gosh but through completely different paths and very organically through different different ways it it just seemed to happen naturally both for us so he's actually a full-time stunt person as well Um, How funny. Which is funny, yeah.
1: (laughs) Do you both enjoy that? Is there any, like, competitiveness of, like, oh, you got that job and my job is Oh, no, because we're
0: normally not up for the same, you know, work anyway. And and what's really nice is our work sometimes overlaps, which is great. We get to work together sometimes, which is nice, but we're often off doing our own projects. And we have kind of different speciality skill sets, which is great, so we can help each other. A lot of the time um so i'm kind of more gymnastic-y movement-y and he's a big kind of car guy um and vehicles person so it's it's kind of good for us to help each other out with stuff but yeah what oh, does
1: he do driving yeah like stunt driving
0: yeah I mean, he, do, he does everything but but um he's he's a really good driver and he comes from he grew up doing um like motocross and dirt biking and professional snowboarding and skating and all that oh, good stuff okay. before he got into skydiving and um, hockey. And so he has a whole kind of array of skills prior to becoming a, a skydiver.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well. Yeah. yeah. All that seems to translate real well into stunt work. I mean, he kind of, whether he meant yeah. to or not, set himself up pretty well <laughs> for yeah. that work.
0: Pretty much every skydiving scene you've seen in a movie recently, he it's him or he's been part of the team for sure.
1: So Wow. Onto
0: interview. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's so funny that you're both, you know, a similar path. Did you see yourself, I mean, A, ever getting married? And then B, did you see yourself with someone kind of in the exact same industry, doing the exact same, I mean, because it's how you spend a lot of your time, I imagine, yeah. so it's how both of you spend well, a lot of your time.
0: Um, I mean, yes and no. I guess it was kind of inevitable that I'd probably end up meeting someone kind of in the same vein I guess as as what I did but I I think it's more about um because people are always surprised to hear that Travis my husband and I have hardly done any skydives together at all (laughs) so people always think (laughs) like the thing that bonded us was jumping together but we were always training different things or instructing in different things. And yeah, we, we've jumped together, but I think it's more than ma- the mindset and men- mentality of things that brought us together, not the love of skydiving because neither of us really skydive that much anymore. Um, but we met at the, um, at Skydive Paris at the skydiving center where we were both working full time at the time. Yeah. Um, and but ironically, right before I met him, I had, a few months before I'd broken up with another person, and my friend always reminds me that I said to her, "I am never ever dating a skydiver ever again."
1: <laughs> of course
0: <laughs> and then and then I marry him. <laughs>
1: oh, that's funny.
0: yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. We both have similar lives. It doesn't feel funny though until I talk about it out loud, and then I'm like, "Oh yeah, we have really weird lives."
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's all relative, right? I mean, yeah, pretty normal for you.
0: (laughs) No, completely, and it and it all comes amidst the same boring stuff and life stuff that everybody else goes through, you know. um, I always remind people of that when they're like, "Oh, your life's so amazing, it's so cool." I'm like, you just see the highlight reel; you don't see, you know the same stuff like the laundry, the arguments, the adulting, the mortgage, the house and all the other stresses that everybody else goes through.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. I mean, especially with the the work you're doing. I mean, I mean, like I said, I rattle off some of these movies and Mm. that's just in anyone's eyes, it's such a universal thing. Like you're in these giant stunts and these big movies that everyone's seen like, well, yeah, she's, She's something, you know, she's superhuman.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny though, isn't it? It's, it is. I think it's just, it's all relative to, for me, what always impresses me about other people is just the, the effort that they put in to do things and what they get out of it. Um, it. I think it's really easy to look at someone else's life and go, oh, look at her. It's epic. Look at what she's doing. But it's like, well, it's only epic if it's a real um, challenge trying to word this properly it's just relative what I do is just no better than someone that goes to the grocery store and packs your groceries for a day it's just as important you know what I mean I try to remind people about that and it it actually the person that that packs your groceries is way more important because that's essential as we've discovered during this pandemic like my job is not essential at all the people that are making our lives easier right now they're they're the ones that are important and it's not always you know the glam and the validation and i just i'm not saying my job isn't amazing and and i love it but the grand scheme of things in life it's it's not important
1: sure you're keeping it in perspective i think yeah. i think there's that side of it which is so beautiful thanks for for bringing that up i think there's also the side of it like we've talked about here of how you ended up where you are today i mean we went through all these examples of how driven you are of how you know it's not like you showed up one day in hollywood and were you know yeah. doing all the big stunts in the big movies i mean this I was a lot like, of hard work
0: it is I do, it does always crack me up when a, a friend of mine says <laughs> can't stand it when people say oh you're so lucky She's like i didn't win this life in a lottery <laughs> like, that's oh, not how this yeah. happened you know oh you're so lucky
1: <laughs> have you heard of that that phrase i'm a big fan of that phrase um luck equals opportunity plus preparation yes
0: yeah i feel like <laughs> you're a, a
1: shining example of that i mean it's,
0: do you know what it's It's so, you know, it is, it's so true. Sometimes I find myself, it's really funny, I was just having this conversation with my husband and we're we're both big believers. If if you just put the effort into something and really put it out in whatever your universe is, um, something gets dangled in, in front of you. There's potentially something that you want. You just have to pay attention to it. Like, you yeah. you really have to start noticing when it happens. You have to acknowledge it. You have to say it out loud. You have to start prepping for whatever that thing is. Even if you don't know exactly what it is, you have to be ready to say yes or do a little bit of a a U U-turn in your life and take that direction when that opportunity, opportunity comes. And I feel like that is really how my life has been because um, – like, I remember when I had the opportunity to leave the police force and train full time, 80% of my colleagues were like, what about your police pension? You can't leave. What are you talking about? No, like, that's idiotic. We're, we're almost panicking for me, like taking that career break. And in my head, it was like a no brainer. I'm like, no, this is like an incredible opportunity. I'm not going to say no based upon all the fears and what ifs. I'm going to say yes, because of the potentials and what is possible. Um, and I think every time I've made those kind of decisions and it's normally, even though they've been incredibly scary saying, yes, they've always been terrifying. And that's normally when I know it's probably right. It's slightly scary. Yeah. Um, but every time I said, yes, it something really great has come into fruition. And so it, it's kind of um, been a stepping stone every single time. Like, oh, I know this feeling. I'm slightly scared, or I'm really scared. I, it's a big challenge. I'm not sure if I can do it, so I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, and it, and it normally it normally works out pretty well, um, but it but it is scary. But
1: that's, well, we've established. You know. I think you you are okay with a little bit of of thrill and possible <laughs> excitement on that side of things. So I think that's. Right. Totally fine, <laughs> <laughs> Hannah. Thank you so much for chatting. This has been oh my gosh, such a great conversation. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun.
1: Absolutely. It's funny that you got your start in um, <clears throat> Agents of Shield because I. So um, my son, it, he'll be he's nine, but yeah. we've he's just gotten in the past. I don't know year into the Marvel universe, okay. and I've never watched any of it. Mm-hmm. So now we're watching, uh, we're watching them in chronological order, the movies, and then we're going to do Agents of Shield. I think is next.
0: Okay. And so because, when I uh, saw Captain
1: Marvel, I I just saw that a couple of weeks ago, right. and I thought, oh, I wonder who she Ooh. who she doubled in this. <laughs> yeah, I've
0: only worked on that for a really short. I think I just honestly worked on that for a day, and I just um. Ironically, double one of the SHIELD agents, have nothing to do with Agents of SHIELD. It just happened that way in a a small fight. Um, (laughs) But I didn't didn't have a a big thing in that. But but on Agents of SHIELD, if you guys do start watching it, I double um, Agent Simmons, the British girl, and then. um, Okay. And Yo Yo, she comes in, I don't know, season three or four.
1: Simmons, and I'll have to remember that because he's he's been watching it.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. He's been watching yeah. it. And then I think we're going to start watching some of it together when it fits in the timeline. I'll have to ask him. He'll probably know exactly what that is right away.
0: <laughs> it's cheesy as hell, but it's, it's good family fun.
1: <laughs> I, you know, like I said, I never got into the Marvel Universe. And now that I'm watching it, I fully understand. I mean, this is amazing. These are amazing. But I know Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., people would always tell me, I never understood what it was. Again, I never. I know. it's attention. really funny.
0: People are either like, "What? What is that?" or, "Oh my god, I love that show!" It's exactly. Like <laughs> completely into it, or have never heard of it. I have no yep. idea. I think it's like that with Marvel. It's like it really is a whole universe. My nephews are obsessed with it as well. It's they know more about it than I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, I've never been a big like superhero person. No, um, me neither. But like, the, and that's the why. The
0: funny thing is, is my my kind of movie is just a really great, <laughs> well written, incredible. Not a lot of action, dialogue. Not a lot. Like, <laughs> yeah, like action movies. I'm normally like,
1: very <laughs> 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 <It's really> funny. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, just a random question: Do you watch a lot of um, the work you're in usually? Like, do you watch it for pleasure yeah. or to like see? Yeah.
0: If I've done something big. Um, more marginally big I'll, I'll want to watch it because one I'm always curious as to how they end up editing it
1: mm-hmm. Um
0: sometimes it's completely egotistical because I want the footage for my reel and I want to post it sometimes it's just out of curiosity to see oh, I wonder how that kind of shaped out um, and and quite often it's for me to find out whether I landed on the concrete five times unnecessarily when they insist that they're going to put your landing in and not cut to the actress. Oh, no. (laughs) And then quite often you're like, oh, yeah, there it is. They cut it right before I hit the ground. I feel like
1: sometimes maybe you don't want to know. I
0: know. (laughs) Torture myself.
1: (laughs) Oh, I never thought of that. Because I guess, yeah, you don't see any cut of the movie Mm-mm. until it's out yeah. oh that's gotta yeah. be nerve-wracking
0: it is it's really weird quite often we get to see the stuff on the monitor on the day and we'll kind of have friends try and secretly record it so you've kind of <laughs> got the raw footage before they butcher it
1: yeah um
0: but there are some times when you're like stoked at how it came out and there's other times you're like what <laughs> you're just <laughs> angry <laughs>
1: But then again, that's a great definition of things that are outside your
0: control. Exactly. <laughs> There's someone
1: else's entire job whose yeah. it is to... Near, we're, not, we're
0: not curing cancer here. <laughs> let it go.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much.
0: Thank you for having me. I have no idea if what I'm saying is marginally interesting to anyone. Oh, but <laughs> I really...
1: Like I said at the beginning, I'm a firm believer that like... I because I do this myself and I know others do but like even oh my gosh in our conversation there were so many things I'm like oh this is something I could take and take away and try in my universe you know so mm-hmm. I think people do that all the time and I'm the same way I always think no one's interested in what I'm doing but then I always remember like people are you know there's yeah, things, the uh, things you least expect that are like the most mundane or things that you know and have known for years could be brand new to someone you know so yeah no, it's it no, fantastic. It it's,
0: it's funny, and to to loop that up, it's really funny how Sydney always talks about how pivotal I was for her during that mo- moment. And the, the funny thing is, is, is not to dismiss the weight of it. It's quite often the times when you think you're putting in or you're not forcing anything. You're kind of just talking and giving information that can be sometimes the biggest influence that people get. So for me, it was like a no-brainer. I don't really... I remember that side but i don't remember specifically what i said at all Sure, but for her it's like had such a huge impact and i I found that with other people when they said things to me that they just thought they were like brushing off and it's been like um huge so yeah you you never know when you're going to connect or kind of make a little impact for someone just based upon your experiences i guess
1: thank you for listening to this episode of we're only human since you've reached the end of this episode I would love for you to send me an email at we only human two at gmail dot com. That's we only human two, the number two, at gmail dot com. Send me an email and tell me what you had for breakfast this morning. Thanks.